friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love. Break them apart to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my single, restless, disheveled, so depressed uh, single mother and co-host. Alex Dandino. Oh, sorry. Alex Dandino. Oh, so sorry. <laughs> not the mama. No, that's not what the kid says. No, you were All right, putting dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a new podcast where we just dissect uh, the 90s dinosaurs. No. Um, this month, guys, we are on the verge of a life milestone for my friend and co-host, Alex Dandino. Uh you are about to become a father, sir, for the I first am. time. First timer. Uh, May when are you due? May? May 31st. End of May. End of May. Okay. So hopefully we'll get Godzilla in before Kurgan arrives. Oh, we will. Oh, oh we and shall. so all the audience knows, I, I uh, sent his son a pre-book. And I everyone I send a book to, I write a, I write a message on the flyleaf. And I pre-named Alex's son Kurgan Dandino. Yeah. So it's all good. <laughs> amongst so my friends. if you friends, hear me refer to Kurgan, it's Alex's son that I took the pleasure of naming. Yeah, amongst my friends now, this kid has like four different nicknames. I'm like, you're all going to have to figure out together what to call him. Cause... No. They do, they know the rules. There can be only one. And Kurgan <laughs> is the best name. Kurgan wasn't uh, the one. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> different show. Yeah, so we're coming off the heels of the Pod Unleashes the Center Beast Month, which I had a blast with. Werewolf movies. Uh. We're so delightful. Thank you guys for your responses. A uh, lot of great stuff last month. Great time. This month, though, uh, Daddy Knows Best, right? The pod offers fatherly advice is how we'll do this. Yeah, I think that's good. So essentially, it's movies where we feel Alex <laughs> can glean uh, some advice on his impending adventures in parenthood from said movie. So we're going to start you off in the absolute depths of hell of parenthood. Right. Uh this week's show The Baba Duck. Oh, sorry. Uh, I thought was quick, I thought before it was... we dive in, uh we are going this weekend live to see uh Pet Cemetery. That's your second lesson. So we're going to start low and hopefully end on a little higher <laughs> note. So, uh yeah, tonight Baba Duck, uh this weekend we are going to the theater to see Pet Cemetery. That show should be out for you by Monday. Yes. Uh maybe we'll see if we can cram another surprise in, but that's the plan now. Um, it, wherever you find the show, guys, if you like sharing time with us, please take a second and leave a rating and review for the show. That helps out a lot. Uh, also, if you can follow us on our socials, uh, we're trying to engage more on Twitter. I've been doing the, uh, I plan on doing more of the last drive-in Friday night live tweet hangouts. Yeah, those um, are fun. Oh my God, what a blast, dude. We watched uh, Chud and Castle Freak this last oh, Friday. Oh, wow, that is excellent programming. Amazing stuff. So, if you guys can help us out, also you can find the show's uh, filmography list on Letterboxd, so you'll know the stuff we've already covered and plan to cover in the future. Also, one last bit of business. We run another podcast called The Long Box Sessions, which Alex hosts. What do we have coming up? Uh, we are watching Shazam. Shazam! Yeah, this uh, month is crazy. Shazam, That's the second Hellboy, part of our double feature. And, and Avengers. Holy fuck, Avengers. And yeah. we're going to start our weekly Game of Thrones recaps, too. Oh, it's going to be a hell of a month for the long yes. box. It's insane. So if you like our movies, uh, that show, we do a lot more comics and pop culture. But 
uh, based on schedule, there's going to be a lot of storytelling breakdowns over there, too. So join us on the Long Box Sessions. Wherever you find Film Alchemist, you'll also find the Long Box Sessions. Yeah. Leave us ratings and reviews. Share with your friends. Follow us on socials. All right, that's it. Sorry. I, I hate the shilling, but it has we've to been be, told it has we to need be done. to do it more. Now yes. let's talk about Child Protective Services, the movie. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, yes, Alex... I saw the Babadook the the first night it was available to me in L.A. I was so excited for this movie. I remember that. I couldn't remember when this came out, if I had had my son yet or not. 2014 this, was before uh, This Hunter. was pre-Hunter. Yes. So I, I felt it this time. I was like, I loved it the first time, but this time I was over the moon in love with what this movie does. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think we, we're in this golden age of... Uh, indie low-budget horror movies that are so spectacular over the last five to six years. I feel like Babadook was on the front end of that and has somewhat been washed aside, right? We got the Baba Shook meme. Uh, Everyone (laughs) wanted to ship the Babadook and Pennywise, which was adorable. But I feel like the movie itself is not adequately appreciated for how insanely excellent this uh this movie is to me so again i felt like i was watching it for the first time now that i have a kid two kids actually and i've lived through the i don't know i think this thing is a lot the tiredness of parenting right the tired slash helplessness alex what was your uh first takeaways from the babadook this time around the babadook's a movie i watched as one of those things i'm like i should watch this and i started watching it and it was just on in the background and it was one of those things where i just wasn't really paying attention well enough which sucks because it's uh it's very good i remember watching it it's, I, it's sad but that's kind of the state of actually i love this tweet someone said there should be a whole category on netflix for things to watch while i'm texting yeah no it's true <laughs> Like it, it's a sad reality. Today. I specifically pick things I don't have to pay attention to a lot of the time. <laughs> this is I'm, when I watch the TV shows. People say I have to. Watch. Yeah, it's just white noise, you know. Um, the Babadook yes. to me is a really fascinating movie. I, uh, my other association, and I don't know if you remember this, but the other thing is, um, the Babadook was the like spirit animal for Pride Week in LA a couple of years ago. Yes, which is very cool. I didn't understand why. I still don't, even after watching the movie. <laughs> um, I think it's about the Babadook representing something that we feel like we should repress yeah. uh, for the comfort of those around us. Yeah, I think the thing that I noticed the most about this specific screening was that I'm not entirely sure. Like, for these kinds of movies, generally, like, the physical manifestation of these uh, these kinds of villains, so to speak, like the Babadook, mm-hmm. and I'd say uh, um, the like uh, um, Insidious, like these kinds of uh, right. sinisters. Another one, like the physical manifestation of these, are usually pretty concrete. This is the first time I watched a movie like this. I guess second time, but this is the first time I really paid attention and noticed. Like, I'm not entirely sure the Babadook is actually real. Yes, now. This is something I feel like we've been on a roll lately. Of, we have, and I thought this about this real? too before we, I started we talking about, this about it. A lot, like for the last like six pods, I, between our two between shows, the two I feel shows, like yeah. All we do is question the narrative reality of everything we right. watch. But no, that's a, that's a big part of this film, and actually, I, I'll have a, a scene later to illustrate that. But what I yeah, 
I, I agree with everything you said, man. It's it's just it's so impressive because to me it plays a lot like uh, a show we covered earlier on the show, a dark song, right? Yes, very it's much this so. Insanely impactful two hander, but in this one, it's not two grown adults who are great actors. You know, it's it's a woman and a kid, and again, this is kind of a a Tony Collette from Hereditary level performance to me. It's much more subtle, big time. But I mean, I, it this- is. I mean, the performance is just devastating uh, from this mom. God damn it. I already forgot the actress's name. I'll pull up the IMDb while I'm to talking. To me, but- this is like a, uh, this is definitely like the precursor. Like, this is the thing that you watch. Yeah. This is the thing that like uh, Ari Aster, like Ari Aster watched before he was able to pitch Hereditary and said, I can tell people think the Babadook and they'll understand what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Like that's well, I mean, again, great. I think this whole movie in Hereditary gets back to this thing. Like, why did the Babadook become a pride for gay uh gay gay parades, right? Yeah. Well, because the Babadook in this movie I mean, just look at the relationship between the mom and her sister, right? Right. Where she's pretty much like, Uh, oh, you and your kids are fucking assholes. <laughs> okay. I don't know what accent I'm I am doing. I used to, so I used happy to you tried that Australian, Australian accent. That makes me so happy. Yeah, but she's like, oh, you guys suck, and you're just, I can't come to your house because you're bringing me down. Right. And she's like, yeah, my husband died. And she's like, oh, my God, we get it already. Yeah. It's like, for fuck's sakes, man, that kid's only seven. It's very like, strange. <laughs> but People... that, that's what, but this movie, right, and Hereditary, they play on, especially this movie, it plays on things that, because that's, she seems like she's trying to pretend it doesn't exist for the start of the movie. Yeah. Just so she can try to have a normal life. And not upset her sister and other people around her, you know, by letting herself be who she truly is. And I would imagine to the gay community, that's something a lot of people, you know, it's, you know, you hear stories all the time from my friends that are like, yeah, it was hard to come out, man. Like Absolutely. people might not accept you, you lose things. And and that's what the Duck is in this movie, too, is at what point, you know, do you let the Duck out and then it. There, there's no going back, right? right. <laughs> like your your well, life is now altered and changed. Yeah, I think the Babadook is a really interesting. I think the Babadook's to me like just a really fascinating metaphor for everything about what it is that we lock away about ourselves, like what it is that we want to forget and what it is that we don't want to admit. Like the thing that I took away, like particularly as someone who's let's say about to be a parent. Um, yeah, did that- this movie scare you? As an impending child is on the way. I was thinking about that on the way home from, from work today. Like, cause I had written my notes and I was like just going over them before the show. And I was thinking about like, what exactly is the lesson I want to really glean from this? And I'm like, well, I think the lesson I want to glean is that my, uh, let's see, my kid should not be a pain in the fucking ass and just scream incessantly. But I know that that's going to happen anyway. So it's a matter of how I deal with it, I guess. I think that the I mean I was being sarcastic of course. Uh children do what they do. <laughs> um no, the message I think that you pull away from this kind of thing is that the Babadook to me is always going to be that thing that you are ashamed of as a parent. Um so to speak. Like the thing that you fe- you feel inadequate about as a parental unit. I feel like that's what the Babadook is and that's what's looming over you at all times and that's why you're constantly trying to that's why she's constantly trying to deny to sam the entire movie that the babadook exists she's like spends a substantial amount of time at least at the very beginning um yeah i mean there's a hard switch on that um, right yeah sorry not the whole to movie me, yeah right to me the i think of the babadook 
not as much as what you're what, what did you say? It's it's what you're afraid of or what you're lacking? To me, I feel like it's about your feelings of inadequacy as a parent, maybe. Yeah, I, I think I would I would add to that. It's the feeling of what you already are, what you want to be impending upon your ability to parent now, right? Because right. what we know is that uh, the mother was a writer for magazines. Her husband was like a hipster jazz player. Uh, they <laughs> yes. lived in the city. They were probably doing right. Like they they were kind of living this very metropolitan life. And now she's stuck in this suburban nursing home hell. Right. And on the day she gave birth to her son, she she lost her husband. And her identity and autonomy was taken away from her. Right. And now we see this woman who is just constantly exhausted and Filling every second of time that we see her on screen with some menial task or caregiving, right? And she always yeah. looks a little disheveled. She always looks run down. There's no, there's no self-care whatsoever. No. But she's trying her best, you know, to be this always on the ball. I'll get it done. I'll get it done. I'll get it done. Um, and you, this movie does an amazing job of just showing the toll of that just trying to push through and that there are just limits to everyone. Yeah. Well, I think that that's like the other thing that I gleaned personally from it was like, by the way, it's Essie Davis. That's the Essie Davis. That's what I know. Jennifer Kent's the director. Um, Yes. So the thing that I personally, that I take away is like, like specifically with the very beginning of the movie, this starts with a car accident where basically the husband, the husband's kids killed in the car. By the way, this is one of the great horror movie openings of all time. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's so stark and just so quiet to me. Like yes. that was the thing that I loved the most is like there's the the uh sound design in this movie is really fascinating. Oh like, my god. The sound design and music are brilliant. Yeah, and it's not jarring and when it is it's meant to be. I, I love that kind right. of I love that kind of deliberate uh diegetic stuff, which is really cool. But right. to me Where it, it draws attention to itself, yeah, which is unusual, but it never distracts you right. from the the focus of the movie. Right. Like I think the thing that I appreciated the most about this movie, like the thing that I really loved was that this movie doesn't go for what I would consider to be the traditional jump scare. Like, right. I'm never right. sitting there on the edge of my seat to the point where I'm like, and eh, now, because I feel like a lot of the time now we can kind of <laughs> guess when it's going to happen. The Babadook doesn't have that at all. Right. Well, like a prime example is when you go watch the nun, you're like, I know exactly, okay, this is the game you've set up. Right. And you have an internal clock of, uh, uh, uh. all right, this is getting a little awkward. It has to come now. Right. Okay, great. Right, right. Well, and like, it, it's yeah. just, there's there's nothing past that. But you you know the game and that, you know, they can still be surprisingly effective at ratcheting you up. Right. Even though you know what's coming every single time. But, like, what, I feel- yeah, what, what, but this is something I that bums me out is, a lot of my horror movie friends watch this and we're just like, oh, it's not even scary. And I was like, guys, what the hell are you? To me, this is one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Because in this, the, the non-scary you know, external monster in a traditional sense. Right. Anytime I'm watching a character fully lose their mind. Yeah. Right? And, and maybe putting a child in danger and... And and they do such a good job of you start the movie, you just want to wrap 
Is her name Claire? Is that the mom's name? You want to? No, rap? that's the sister. That's the stupid aunt. Okay, I'll get to her. But yeah, you just want you just want to hug this lady and be like, dude, I got it. Go take a nap. Like, come yeah. on, man. Like, I've been there. Yeah. My child, when Hunter was born, he wouldn't take a bottle. Right. So when Amy went back to work, she was on night shift, right? So she'd leave at six. And from six until seven thirty or eight the next morning when she got home, Hunter refused to eat. And when babies don't eat, they don't sleep. So I would be up all night and I remember he would cry and cry and cry. And I was having to like use like the little baby Tylenol syringe right. to shoot milk in his mouth just so he would not die. <laughs> and you're like, you'd rock him until he'd cry himself to sleep. And you're like, all right, it's been an hour and a half, but I don't dare put him down or move him. Right. So I'll try to close my eyes. I'm not supposed to fall asleep with him in the chair, but maybe 20. You're doing this like horrendous math. Right. And you just, you feel yourself just like breaking apart. And this movie does an insanely good job of putting you in. But that's that's why I love this opening scene, right? It's the car crash, the tumbling, the weightness, weightlessness, free falling. Yeah. Uh, you have no control over your life. And then, you know, effortlessly, with no cut, she sinks into her bed. Yeah. Or there's probably a cut there, but a very good hidden cut, right? Oh, that's she, nice. She falls into her bed as you hear this kind of like muffled, mommy, yeah. mommy. And it just shows you how her... Her trauma is ever present with her life and the restlessness, right? right? That in both phases, she's being yanked upon, right? right? Whether it's, you know, sad, 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 or give me, give me. Right. And there's just, in this movie, one thing this movie does exceptionally well is the transitions from scene to scene are used uh, in sledgehammer level impact yes. to let you never feel like you're resting between scenes, right? Yeah. Like, when she goes to sleep, it's always like a. They speed it oh, up, no. and then the sun this just movie's pops a, up. Her. This movie's she's a fucking, watching TV all night and grinding her fucking teeth. No, this movie's like, a tight ninety. <laughs> like this movie has this movie yeah, gets in sure. and out real quick, and I like that but, a lot. Yeah, the way they use those transitions to just wear you, the audience member, down to where you're yeah. like, I feel fucking exhausted now. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean like mid, it's incredible. By man. the by, the middle of the movie, you're just like, holy shit, how is this woman still awake? let alone like managing to like get up and do her job and like yeah, s- help with the kids. Is she awake? Right. Well, so the thing that I liked them and I mean the thing that honestly puts the fear of this movie in focus for me is definitely the very beginning. Like the idea of cuz I've had this thought too and I don't know if you had this when Amy was pregnant, but I've had this thought which is just like you know, I look, my wife's had a very like knock on wood, very wonderful pregnancy. Like she hasn't had a whole lot of issues and she's been pretty pain free. She hasn't had a lot of morning sickness or anything. So my prevailing thought is like, when's the shoe going to drop? Like, what's the thing that like I, I, I should I'm thankful like she's healthy. But right. the thing that freaks me out is like, is she healthy? And then like we get there. What is something, you know, again, that's all I think about is like the catastrophe that could occur. And then it's, it's scary, man, because, yeah, as, as a dad, you're you're pretty helpless. Yeah, I'm you, just a spectator. And you're also pretty useless, right? Like, I yeah. spent all my time like, Amy, can I get something for you? Like, can I help? And she's like, yeah, you can't carry this weight and make my back not hurt. And right. Like, like, 
the things that are happening to their bodies are insane. Right. And you just sit there like, man, I kind of feel like I'm getting off scot-free and not helping this enormously. <laughs> I, I think about it. I moment. think about it all the time and particularly watching. So that's this movie. what you know you can contribute, right? You're like, oh, I can give my worry. Right. So yeah, it's, it's a weird psychological, which trick. is awkward. Cause yeah, it's like super unhelpful at times for me to be the person who worries. Oh, Cause Andrea doesn't want to have to stop and think about that. No. Shit. And she's, you know, Andrea is a very sunny disposition person. I am not. So that's probably a, why we get along, but also like <laughs> I, I, I have those momentary thoughts. Like I've told her a couple of times, like when I'm driving down the street, I'm thinking like, huh, I'm driving here on my way home. I'm never going to think like this again, where I'm just like on my way home. Like eventually my thought process, was, I got to get home. I got to see the kid. I got to make sure the kid's getting in bed and make sure he's brushing his teeth. Like that's what starts running through my head. And then like today when I was watching, uh, because I rewatched it at work while I was uh, working, but also I was thinking about it and I'm like today while I was watching, I'm like, holy shit. What if like the worst thing happens? Yeah. And I'm the one doing the, I'm the one doing this. Holy fucking shit. And like the wave of fear <laughs> that washed over me during the movie, like when I watched it uh, the other night, started again at work and I'm literally like sweating at work. I'm like, Oh my God, well, I can't stop this. Holy shit. Like, yeah. that's like, that's what this movie does so well though, is it encapsulates not like the jump scare and the traditional horror shit that we're so used to now, but it does exactly what movies like hereditary, uh, has been doing, which is like, it is recontextualizing what actual fear is and bringing, uh, the convalescence of grief and aloneness and singularity into one idea and remaking fear into this. Like your fear is that is something you can't control. Like I can control being scared of like, like an insidious. I can control being scared of like an asthmatic ghost. (laughs) Oh yeah. What I, (laughs) what I can't control is my own personal fear of the unknown, which is definitely where I'm at right now. And that's, I mean, in a way, that's what all fears are, right? Oh, um, absolutely. But th- this movie does a great job at the start, too. Like, I here are two great examples of how they illustrate fear early in the movie. Uh, one of the scenes that I thought was just incredible, right, is when she's trying to get him ready and the little kid's like, Mommy, look at my magic. My Ugh. magic. Or whatever, <laughs> whatever they sound. Whatever my Australian. I, I'll get it by the end of the it's show. Really I'm going to nail it's this. It's really right. good so far. Yeah, he's like, it doesn't work if you don't look at me, mommy. And she looks up, and the kid starts his little magic thing, and then he reaches out and just gently touches her face, right? Yeah. And he does the I love you. And when he reaches in for the hug, he squeezes a little too hard. Oh, yeah. And the mom fucking freaks. Don't do that! And pushes him away. Yeah. That's and weird. That's, that's a real-world moment of fear of... And this is something as a parent, too, is... You always feel like, am I loving my kids enough? Is this enough, enough, enough? Right, am right. I ruining them? And in this moment, she's like throwing him away yeah. in this moment of kindness. And then there's another thing they do constantly, which is every time she has a moment of serenity, right? Like she gets the half day. Right. They always show her like she's an alien observing this for the first time. Like she sees the couple sharing a kiss through the window. Yeah. Right. She looks through her window while washing dishes and sees the old lady watching TV with a smile. Yeah. So there is this fear of she has no autonomy to have those uh, interactions. Right. And enjoy herself. She can only witness that 
through a looking glass of sorts. And to me, that's that is something that is terrifying. Oh no, absolutely. Right, but the, these are subtle ways to build fear into the actual world and characters. Yeah. That don't rely on blood or guts or jump scare or an external monster. These are the kind of things and I think as a parent, this becomes so much more prevalent for a person is the fear of because once I had a kid, all my whole worldview shifted where you're like, Oh fuck. Like, what age am I gonna die and leave this kid without me? Right. Like, you know what I mean? You're like, uh, you you feel like you never have time for because you're gonna be in this transition. Like, man, I had all these friends and I want to do these podcasts and we work on other shit that we write and whatever. And you're like, how do I have time for that? But then still be a good dad and a good husband and I have to work and so that that's the fear that I experience all the is this fear of the constriction of your time and right. autonomy and and that's it's not valued as much as you know the asthmatic or the the lady in the you know gnarly looking wedding dress right, but right those are are real fears that i think any audience member can relate to in some way like you might not have kids but i remember in college you're like fuck i got all this homework and you know i need to party i got to get my party on and oh halo came out and like you know it's not as important right. or life you know uh changing right but you know at that age that's the shit that fills your day man and Anytime you feel like you don't have control over the course of your life, that's the biggest fear. And this, right. again, the, the subtle building of the relationships and the world and the, the character, right? Kind of the wreckage of this woman's life that she had thought she was on her way to everything she wanted and this is what's left. Yeah. And she's so trying to get through, right? Even like, I'll just take the old lady's trash out because that's 15 seconds. I don't have to think about how miserable I am. <laughs> Right. I mean, like, that's she's true tear. That is true tear to me. I mean, and she's literally doing everything she can to make things seem normal in the face of nothing being normal. Like, I think that's the yeah. crazier thing about the movie is she spends so much time trying to normalize everything around her because you know what it's for, which is her. It's not for the kid. Like the kids interestingly kind of aloof about the whole thing like he's very the kid's got his own issues we'll talk about next yeah <laughs> wow but like I, I i yeah i think like the movie is movie does such a good job of basing the fear that it's wanting to convey in real life terror which is not yeah like it's not supernatural stuff like real terror is what we've been talking about which is like what do i do if i'm alone what do i do if this is the only thing that i uh what if, what do I do if this is the most important thing in my life and no one's there to share it? Like, what do I, how do I accomplish this throughout the day without sacrificing right. literally everything? That's, that's like the real well, fear yeah. that it, that it brings to the surface, this movie. Well, you'll, you'll know other parents like this. Once you start, like once you have a kid, you start meeting groups of other parents and you'll, you'll meet these people and they're the saddest people to me, which is like their entire world is just fucking they're kids, right? They're right. always parenting as a verb, right? Instead of like, yeah, I am just a parent. Right. But I have other shit I do, and I hopefully my kid will find stuff he likes to do and whatever. But they're like, no, I'm parenting. I'm reading the blogs. I, you know, I slice their poop open to make sure it's healthy enough, right? Like, what? <laughs> whatever That's a thing? No, that is a thing. Oh. That is a real thing <laughs> when kids get sick. But no, it's, you know, you saw that in Jurassic Park. It's the same thing, but not Triceratops. But... <laughs> But no, it's like you find these people and they they just they're like, now I have no more identity except for what my kids become and how that will show right. the great thing I did. And it's it's sad, man. Yeah. It's, it's fucking sad that 
that loss of your own aspirations. Cause that's something I hope my kids see is like, you know, even if you have a, a job you don't like or whatever, you're not going to be the president or change the whole world. I mean, you should at least be trying to live it up, man, and enjoy this time you got. Yeah. But, you know, like one of the best scenes in the movie to me is when the she's sitting at the table with all those women that used to probably be her. <laughs> yes. And that one mom's like, <laughs> oh, I know people that work for disadvantaged uh, mothers and women like you. And she's like, oh. I feel like I have the kids. And then she starts just babbling, right? I feel like I have the kids all the time. I barely have time to go to the gym. That was she's really like, good. Oh, poor you. And then she just fucking tears her a new asshole. And I was like, yes, finally. Don't be the, you know, because I have friends too that like are very rich. And they were always trying to like commiserate with the parents of right, us right. that weren't rich. And you're like, it's not the same. You didn't fucking get up for five of the seven hours you should have been sleeping last night. I but love- I, I love that scene, man, because now she went from fear to looking at what she had with disdain almost. Yeah. Man, so. Well, I, I wrote I wrote in my notes, actually. I was like, oh, this is where Christian Bale got his whole thing from. That's great. Okay, cool. Even though it definitely happened beforehand. But. Yeah, I like she's like, oh, you're so relatable to those disadvantaged women, I suppose. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> great line. Yeah, great line. Make her eat it. <laughs> Shove her face <laughs> in it. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, you see it with her sister, too. Uh, Aunt Claire sucks butt in this movie. She is the absolute pits to me. <laughs> she is just the worst aunt. And her daughter fucking sucks. It's just so Her daughter, like, is the kind of kid that should have won a golden ticket kind of kid. Oh, yeah. She's a Veruca Salt for sure. Yeah. And you're just like, she's bitching about which present she gets. And then she goes up in the treehouse and she's like, your dad killed himself, so he didn't have to hang out with you no That's more. That's my favorite part of the movie, when he just fucking pushes that little bitch out of the treehouse, and she falls well, out of the brakes and I'm like, good for you, kid. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, the worrying about your kid being aggressive is a real thing, but I actually, I was kind of like in my head, I'm like, is this a good thing? Like, that, <laughs> that girl's going to know, you know, she probably shouldn't do dead dad. You're like, you shouldn't hit anyone. Yeah. And I know especially like little boys hitting little girls is, you know, more stigmatized, but I was like, that kid was being a real piece yeah, of shit. She was being a real and asshole. I was like, yeah, she kind of had maimed. it coming. She's not maimed, right? She she broke her nose. She'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, hopefully, once she pulls the final strip of gauze out, she looks the exact same and just has a better grasp on how to talk to <laughs> human beings. I don't know. I'm not sure that I'm willing to make the leap on the show of like uh, pushing kids out of trees. No, but I can at least understand where the crime came from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love that that's scene, the though. but also that that's the sca- the scariest scene in the movie to me bar none not even close is when they're leaving the house right after he breaks the girl's nose yeah and he is just kicking the shit out of the back of her seat ah, ah, yeah. ah, ah. So i was like it just puts you in this like i got immediate anxiety and i was upset and almost sweaty a little bit that's pretty normal for a guy my size but you're just like i mean i get like, what the fuck because i've had that moment where like even tonight right just like hey it's time to go to bed it's like god damn it don't you fucking but you can't like scream at your kid like that so right. you're trying to be like come on buddy it's cute but on the inside you're like <laughs> i will dominate you and make you go but yeah I, I was like god damn that kid is just having a full meltdown yeah into seeing the Babadook and screaming, get out, get, get out. out of here, get yeah. out of here, get out of here, you dodger, get out of here. 
And then all of a sudden has a fucking seizure. Yes. And the look on Essie's face, man, she is such a fucking great actress. But that whole, just the purely lost feeling of like, yeah. what the what do fuck I do? is happening? And then this is followed up. Oh, my God. This is another, like, this is a great acting moment. When she's talking to the doctor and she's like, please prescribe him something. Like, he hasn't slept. I haven't slept. I'm not coping well. Yeah. She just kind of gives him, like, the real dirt, man. And she's not lying. But he's like, eh, most mothers don't like sedatives for their kids. And she's just like, oh, no, it's real bad. I'll need them. And the moment he finally relents after being a little judgy and he puts pen to paper on that prescription pad, this look of just pure ecstasy crosses her face ever so briefly. <laughs> and it is one of the greatest acting moments. Because I was like, oh, my God, that is the most human moment I've ever seen right. on film. <laughs> I, yeah, that moment is really, yeah, I, it's weird. Every time that kid opened his mouth, I got anxiety. Like, there's nothing about no. well, that. Did you realize watching this, you're like, he's kind of the evil doppelganger version of my kid. No, he's not. He kind of has, like, the wild hair. He's obsessed with monsters. Man, Hunter That's right. is he's not the, He's the like bad that. version. Hunter is, like, the really cool version of that like, normally a little kid who likes to fucking build awesome traps and loves monsters is awesome, like my yeah. kid. But this is like, what if that yeah, all went okay. horribly but wrong version? That, <laughs> all right, through that lens, I'll give you that. Like, yeah, he's like just, my kid today was explaining to my neighbor uh, what the differences were between Mothra and Rodan. <laughs> like, what a cool kid. That's I a love good kid. I like this kid. But yeah, no, I was like, oh my God. So it's like extra scary to me. Yeah. Well, he. Now, as, this is the question really I have scary for you. Kid. Can you. Something I thought about during this view, I'm like, this is seven years old. And they mention, and I think it's really important to the framing of the film, that this time of year is always harder, right? Right. Because approaching his birthday. And I think this matters a lot to the ending, which we're going to have to do some work on. I have a hard time imagining what Samuel's first six years of his life look like. I would imagine. Because Samuel's obviously... He's at a breaking point himself, right? He's constantly, Mom, I'll protect you. Don't leave me. Yeah. Ah, there's mods. He's really afraid of losing his mom. Right. Probably from what we saw in the hug moment, she doesn't all the way head over hills embrace him, even if she's doing well, all yeah. the work I and mean, being as good of a mom as she can emotionally handle. Right. I mean, to but, me, what so, it He's overcompensating a lot. He's obviously become aggressive. He brought a fucking dart gun to school, which in America you'd be putting like fucking juvenile for nowadays. Right. I mean, but I think like, what it ends what, up how, being. When did it go bad? Was it always bad? Well, what I think what it, I think what it ends up being is. a lot of it is that he's. I think that I mean, I think that she probably one downplays his birthday quite a bit. Clearly, well, like they, throughout the movie, I think they, cause they say that he always shares it with his cousin, which takes all the then you takes can a lot hide behind that. It. But right? like that's yeah. sort of like the juxtaposition. And what's interesting, too, is like when you get to that point, you realize like, oh, like something that is joyous for her and the celebration of her birth is countered by him having to celebrate his birth and be happy on a day when he really should be kind of mourning like that, I think, is the true that's the thing that i think is the terror for samuel throughout the movie is like him not knowing how to actually convey happiness like well i i think for him is probably wanting to be happy and have that right loving 
But I also think there is a bond between young boy and mom that is so powerful. I see it every day. Right. And he probably wants that. But I think Samuel gets stuck in this trap of he has to feel as if he can commiserate, right? And allow space for his mom. Right. I think that she particularly probably can't handle it. I don't think she's handled the last six years well at all. And I think, yeah, because I was like, was she like really down with it for like? Well, I a think year that she's really probably. <laughs> I think she's very, she's clearly very emotionally fragile. Uh, well, because I think in the movie they play her as a very good, loving, hardworking mom, but it is hard, right? When your guts are fucking ripped out, you just don't have I the bandwidth, the 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 heart bandwidth all the time. I think it actually takes her quite some time to get there. I mean, for me, when I was watching the movie. Like at the very beginning to me, like she comes off as a mother who's been through a lot, obviously. And we all know that, like we have the context for it. I think what it is, is she comes off as a mother who's been through a lot and is also not, well, I guess she's coping because she's still around, but I don't think she's coping particularly well with what's going on. She's surviving, not thriving. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. She's surviving, not thriving. But I think by the end of the movie, and I think this is the really important part is like after everything that happens like after the possession so on and so forth like that final scene uh between her and the babadook itself is really fascinating to me and really important because that's like that to me is like a mother's love like that scene is the first time in the movie where i feel like holy shit like she understands this can't just be you know what i don't know if i read it that way okay to me I want to I want to do that in order, right? I want to sure. get to the ending in order cuz there there is a lot to do in that moment, right? Right. Um so about the second act break is when uh Samuel gets to pick his bedtime story. Uh obviously he's been getting in trouble. We're ratcheting up a lot. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they find the Baba book. The Baba book. Right. The Baba book, right? So Samuel finds this rare red book. And they start reading, right? I actually have a full list of the whole thing. Should I read the whole Baba book? You can if you want. Well, there there are definitely key lines, right? So essentially, it's a children's pop-up book of a very shadowy character. Right. Um, one thing you notice right away is that the first page is the Babadook sticking his head out from their basement door, right? Yeah. It looks exactly like their basement door. Right, right. Which is where we know from earlier, that's where she keeps all of her keepsakes uh, from her husband, uh, she's very upset when Samuel moves things around. He goes down there and pretends to have a relationship with the dad he never met. Probably, in I think in a weird way, Samuel thinks that that would make his mom happier. Right? This pretending that his dad's... Because he even poses the suit, which becomes kind of a theme uh, throughout for the Babadook. Right. But anyway, so the, the basement is where they're keeping their family trauma... Right. And the thing they don't acknowledge a lot. And this is where the Babadook appears. Um, and you hear it. It It's in a word. It's in a look. You can't get rid of the Babadook, I think, is the first opening of the book. Right. Right. And I think I think that's really good. Right. Where it's just it's just kind of subtly there and you can never get rid of it. Right. That becomes a very important thing uh, as we progress. Right. And they just kind of keep talking about how they're, you'll hear the knocks, you'll know he's coming, uh, this and that. And then it gets darker later on because something we see later is that she was looking at the book. And she's like, God damn, this is the most fucked up kid's book I've ever seen. Right. She opens it up and she rips the pages out, throws it away, right? Yeah. 
The book returns. But it returns in a fascinating moment. This is something I was going to ask you. So she put Samuel to sleep with the sedatives. And it's the only moment in the movie where we get a little respite, right? right. Where, oh, she actually seemingly rested kind of well. She wakes up to a quiet house. Samuel's asleep, not fucking screaming and shooting croquet balls through windows or whatever the fuck that kid's doing all the time. Throwing fireworks. She goes downstairs, seeming like, eh, I might go have a cupo. You know what I mean? Like, have a nice little morning here. All of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. Uh, she's drawn to the door. She's freaking out. The Baba Book is back on the front door, but now it's got new, uh, it's got new wording, right? Which is, you know, the more you try to ignore me, the worse this is going to get, essentially. It, right. it, uh, it's under, here, I'll wager with you. I'll make you a bet. The more you deny it, the stronger I get. Um, And then, yeah, the Baba Duck growing right under your skin. Oh, come, come see what's underneath. Which also plays later with the symbolism of, you know, the husband being in the basement. Right. But we'll get to that, too. Sorry, we got we got to kind of piece this together, right? Uh, what did you make of the Baba book returning and having uh, the series of maybe the three greatest pop-up books in a row of dog strangulation, neck snap, strangle child, throat slit? Yeah. I was like. I, I immediately, when I watched it, I like, dude, I got to get on Amazon and buy this fucking Baba book. Dude, this is incredible work. <laughs> what did you make of the book returning in that moment of serenity? Oh, I mean, that's, I mean, it's the point of the movie. It's the thing that it, our problems never go away. They just maybe quell a bit for a moment. But like those kinds of things, like her fear of. Her fear of like what her son is doing or what she's capable of as a mother and so on and so forth quells yeah. for like five seconds and then the book comes back. And that's really kind of to me what that's about. If I'm going with the analogy I'm using already, like I think that the book like because she tears the book up, she takes this like she is able to get like a moment, like you said, like a moment of respite and then it starts all over again, but worse than before. And I think that's really kind of what we all fear in general when it comes to that kind of thing. Like when we think we have a handle on stuff is when we, when things are about to cut loose far worse than we thought they could. Yeah, no, I like that take on it too, because when you think about it also, it's, she seems mildly okay, but she also would be carrying the guilt of, should I have drugged my kid? <laughs> like, right. cause they don't, he hasn't woken up yet and been like, I've got to vomit. I'm really sad. Like, it's not there yet, but right. she probably somewhat, and that's another, again, it's, it's this kind of subtle subtextual reinforcement constantly of the fear, right? That even in the first moment in the movie, she seems okay. She's upset. She feels right. like she hasn't earned this, right? That she cheated to be happy for one fucking morning. <laughs> right. And right. It's, it's fucking brutal, man. And yeah, she runs out and burns the book. Yeah. And then goes to the police station because this is the other thing. It's like Baba Duke likes to make phone calls and shit. He's kind of real weird creep, right? Yeah. Baba Duke. I love the phone call. Awesome. She runs to the police station. And this was something I found interesting, too, is they ask her, obviously, for the book right away. And she's like, oh, I burned it. I can't show it to you. And that's where you start. That's where, obviously, you have to look at that piece of evidence and her seeing the Babadook outfit in the back of the police station. Right, yeah. Where well, you're like, is that 
the paranormal part is this real well she sees it once before too like in the basement she sees like so like it's interesting because it's only as it progresses too like as it gets worse like the first time she sees it it's uh after she kicks samuel out for like playing around with her dad with his dad's stuff and she right. looks up and she sees the pants and the coat and the hat but it's very subtle like that could easily be just like stuff that's left over in the police station, though, it's much more pronounced and much more obvious. Like, there's no way people are just, like, normally hanging their clothes in that way, you know? Right. So, I think that, but I also think that that's part of And her, her hands are black. Right. I think there's so a there little bit this of psychosis. kind of like, is this the mental crack? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, and <laughs> again, I feel like people who listen to this show is like, do you guys just watch every movie and try to find evidence that it's not happening? <laughs> like, is your favorite movie in theory the Ferris Bueller thing? Is that your favorite movie, Film Alchemist? No, we don't want to do this all the time. The irony being but Griffey's I, I favorite think... movie, Inception. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love it. No, my favorite movie ever is Highlander. It's very straightforward and obvious the whole time. Thank you very much. Uh, the only thing I don't believe about that movie is that someone would wear those shoes he picked out. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> no, but again, I think I think this plays in really well with this movie, right? Because this is this as much as any horror movie I've ever seen is all internal demons attacking, right? You could say that about a lot of movies, but this one, I mean, that's the whole point. Is that the only thing that's interesting about is it real or not is that her and Sam have both seen and interacted and felt the book. Right. Because Sam brings the book and hands it to her, and they read it. And then the book changes when she reads it by herself. Again, this could all still be symbolism as Sam is constantly the one bringing up her trauma, right? And the trauma keeps amping up with her in this run-up to the birthday. But you're like, all right. I mean, you could play it either way, and it doesn't hurt the movie at all. right? But I did wonder a little bit about, uh, you know, if this paranormal activity was actually happening. And then it, we, we see it too as this is progressing. Because I think the coolest thing about as it's going is now she always needs sleep, but we see her staying up to watch TV and grind her teeth. Yeah. Now she wants Sam to stay awake with her. Right? Because now she's fucking scared. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of that. I think that's also this sort of strange abandonment thing we've been talking about. Like that's like her way of trying to, it's weird. Like I would never make the assumption based on like storytelling, but based on everything we'd seen beforehand, I feel like that's her kind of trying to invite him in, like trying to finally say like, okay, this kid is also going through something. So why don't we go through it together? So that's maybe, I mean, yeah, now, she, now that she's seen the Babadook, maybe there's a commiseration. Right. That's maybe the first time I've seen her okay with the commiseration. Like for Wait, wait. A a answer me this. You'll, you'll remember better than me. Is this scene when she tries to get him to stay awake and have the late night ice cream and this and that? Is this after she thought there was a hole in the wall with roaches? I think it's... Yeah, it's after. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because that, that's a big thing, too, is this connection between the Babadook and cockroaches. Yeah. And then we obviously see there is no hall, hole of cockroaches. No. So, I mean, I guess that can play into the theory that the Babadook is all in her head because she's obviously having moments of psychosis as is. Right. Yeah, what do you make between the roaches and the Babadook? 
I mean, I guess, I mean, I'll say this. As someone who's had to deal with this recently, uh, it's again goes, <laughs> like, we've had a lot of, uh, we've had a weird, like, uh, insect infestation in our house. And as someone who's dealt with it, I'll say that I think this goes back to my theory about what the Babadook means to the woman and Samuel, which is um, it's a problem that doesn't go away. It's a problem that like goes down and quells a little bit, but also will uh-huh. come back. And if you ignore it, it'll just be get worse. So confronting your own personal fears and your own personal problems is really what it is. So to me, the Babadook and the roaches are one and the same in that they are the problem that won't go away, but you need to address no matter what. Right. Yeah, I mean, I guess there is that thing, right? The, the relenting nature and how hard it is to dispose of cockroaches. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was wondering, I was like, is there something about the uncleanliness of a cockroach? But yeah, I, I think it is just that, right? They're yeah. just pests. I, I feel like the uncleanliness there, is There are not... many pests, too. That's the other thing yeah. is there's usually like a bunch of them. So this right. could be... Where you, you know, see one, like, there's like because <laughs> you see her with Sam, right? They're like even when it's not Babadook related, it's did you scratch your dad's face out of this? Right, holy shit, face? yeah, that and was another that, good when scene. When she's going in for the uh, the much needed Baba Gush, is she's like, I need some mommy time. Fucking pushes her, man, and she's finally like moaning in ecstasy. She's ready to Baba Gush, and then the kid comes in, mommy, and she's just like. You little motherfucker! <laughs> You're gonna see it on her face. That look oh of, my god, I was that so close. that is probably one of my favorite scenes, and that's like my second favorite scene in the movie, next to the kid getting pushed out of the treehouse. Not that I condone that sort of behavior, <laughs> but it is really fun to watch parents almost climax and then get caught with by their kids. Oh my god, I felt so bad for. Her. I was like, if anyone needed a Baba Gush, right? more in the entire universe, <laughs> right? You're like, I just wanted her to get that nut. Yeah. I really so I like oh. she needs one fucking win. I'm like, her kid is trying to feed her glass. You know, you know what's funny? Like towards the beginning <laughs> of the movie, it's towards the beginning of the movie enough where I'm like, it's telegraphed, which I think is really funny. But I was like, <laughs> man, this lady's going to get fucking boned. I know for sure. Like she is absolutely not going to get not that even. Dish. She's not going to. She's, tr- she's trying to ride that. <laughs> she's not going to get that. Zing, and instead her, mom, her kids. Gonna, like, I was waiting for it and waiting for it. I was like, nice. That's like the one part of this so movie that's sad. not surprising, but still impactful and entertaining. Well, she should have done what all of us grownups do, and you go hide in the closet and close the door and put your feet on the door. Come on. <laughs> Is that a Come te- on, lady. That's how you baba gush when you got kids. Everyone knows Is that this. a technique? Oh, that's the only technique. Good to know. There's no place that's safe, but my kid can't physically push my huge fat body <laughs> and door at the same time, and they'll get bored fast enough. Good to know. It is hard to maintain, though, when you think they're coming. Never mind. This is we don't need all the beats. I'll send you private messages. If yeah, you why don't we? Needs. Why don't we talk about that <laughs> off air? Right. Um. All right. We need to talk we about need to talk about this. Ending. So that the Babadook is interesting as well because he starts off as a specter for the child who only the child can see. Right. And then after she sees that book, we have a scene at night where uh, there's a great haunted house creaking door. And the Babadook is skittering around making these horrific, you know, hellish vocalizations. Yeah, wow. Some really good. Skitters on Again, the roof. great sound design. Uh, cockroach style. Oh, yeah. And then is shown to turn and fall, almost like a Frankenstein's monster jump cut, um, into her mouth, I think yeah. is where we kind of, that's where the camera dives in. Yeah. At this point, we start to see her turn, right? I think it's the next day when the little boy's like, 
Mommy, I'm going to throw up. I need some food. Right. Oh, uh, this medicine you're giving me so you can fucking sleep is making me sick. And she's like, if you're so hungry, go eat shit. And you're just like, oh, my. That's like the first time in the movie. You're like, what the fuck? You're like, she did the thing that we all think about doing to our kids all right. the time. But she did it out loud. It's like you never do it out loud. <laughs> and then she goes and tries to be cool. But we start to see this hardcore mommy voice coming more and more frequently. Right. Uh, what do you make of the transition from Babadook uh, from Sam? Non-penetration of Sam to actually seemingly possess the mother. So from external child uh, monster to internal mommy monster. Oh, I mean, that's, I mean, he's going for the, I mean, the Babadook goes for the vulnerable one. But again, I would also make the argument. Do you think there's more than one Babadook? No, there's one. Is Sam's Babadook the same as his mom's? Yeah, no, there's one Babadook. There's no. Just one. Just one. Uh, no, there's one Babadook, and um, I think that what it is is like, I mean, honestly, like if going with the theory that I don't think the Babadook's actually real and a manifestation of psychological issues, I think really what it is is like, finally, she lets loose and like actually just decides to do the thing that we all wish, wish we could do. Like she's not focusing on the child anymore. She's focusing on herself. Uh, in the the amount of times my kids do something and then they turn their back and me and Amy flip them off is enormous. Oh, I I feel <laughs> that's like, how we get a little bit of that. Like we'll stick it to them. Not that they have any idea. Right. I feel like that's going to be a very common theme in my in my life. Um, I mean, I do that now. <laughs> uh, it's one of those things where, I, I, yeah, I mean, I guess if I, if you're going to use the Babadook as like, if you're going to say that that's an actual character and a real person within the house and an actual antagonist. You don't have to then, say that. Well, I mean, like my, I mean, then what I think for sure is that, I mean, she just, she wakes up and finally can't take it. She unleashes. Like, that's what, that's what it is. Like her grief is not. Her, that's the moment that she snaps. Is that your your contention? Yeah, her grief is not his. Her grief's no longer contained, and she doesn't have the energy or the wherewithal to deal with it anymore. Right. Because yeah, this is when she starts to break, and this is where we also get the weird scene of her taking uh, Samuel out. Yeah, and having like breakfast, and he's not the fucking annoying kid in a place. But then we go from that to uh, the Baba car crash. Yeah, which is just so fucking insane because it's it's a mirror of when samuel's freaking out in the car right? right right but this time she she does a baba hit and run right gets back to the house and now you're like oh man this is getting bad yeah because about this time is when she gets samuel up to watch tv she's grinding her teeth bad she's seeing the baba duck on the tv now and this is god this scene is fucking great when she looks over and sees samuel fucking just stabbed through the chest right Oh, she God. freaks out and all of a sudden she hears something. And she kind of opens her eyes again, right? Like it shakes it clear. And it's Samuel going, Mommy! And she's just standing there with a fucking knife. Yeah. Over him. It's right. So it's it's almost as if the Baba Duck is saying, Look, here's the results. You're just peacefully watching TV. Just kill this little motherfucker. Right. Right? She even sees on the news, like, killed her seven year old. Because the scene before was when uh the kid tried to call the neighbor. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I fucking told you, you little piece of shit, not to call anyone. Ah! She fucking cuts the phone line and then starts waving the knife around really cavalierly. Yeah, yeah. 
It's, and so this is like the beginning of she's what I love about this moment too of the mental break is, is she never feels all the way gone. Right? Like she always has these snap back to like, oh God, I'm a good mom. Like, don't do this. So it's this real fucking tug of war uh in her fucking mind. Yeah. And we don't know exactly where the real line is. And that's fucking scary, man. Well, I think I think it's got to be one of the scariest things on the a human being could ever imagine is to wake up and not know that your experience is real. Right. Like to not be able to trust your own experience, right? Like that has to be as scary as it can get. Well, I think that's what it comes back to is like it's the it's not even a fear of the unknown at this point. Like that's the thing that I think is most terrifying. It's not the fear of the unknown. We now know what the unknown is. The unknown is the willingness to like unleash like that. So Oh my god. Well, imagine the scene when she's in Sam's room, right? She does the And I know last time we talked about a woman using supernatural strength to do something, we got shit on on the internet. And body shame. But yes, and body shame. How dare you? Chubby men. Chubby men. Chunky. No. Oh, chunky. Yeah, yeah. she called Extra. us chun- chunky oh, man, boys. She didn't even call us fucking ch- man. Just all the shots. But no, <laughs> she obviously is using superpower, uh, gravity defying nature. I'll do my research on the effects of single motherhood on your fucking leg muscles, I guess, as well. Yeah, please. But she obviously uses supernatural powers to bust that door open. And when she slides across the room, right? Right. I mean, that is just this fucking like pure power pose that we have not seen from her yet. The camera set low from Sam's point of view. Yeah. So we're looking up at this just like source of power and intimidation and fear. Um, and she just unloads on him. She does the, you don't know how many times I wish it had been you who died instead of him. Oh yeah. And it's like, horrifying. You fucking disgust me. You little pig. You still wet the wet yourself. And she just unfucking loads. But the line, and I actually just got fucking chills thinking about it, is when he's like, yeah, not my mom. You're the Bubba Duck. And she goes, I am your mother. And just like it's this fucking ferocious rage of the indignity she suffered by her own child not recognizing her role. Yeah. After she just told her kid she never wanted that role, that she would trade him out. That the fucking power of that moment. And I think it's a weird it's a weird moment that the Babadook took, right? That the director made to show her doing this Tony Collette super powered hanging onto the door and kicking it open scene. Yeah. Cuz if you take that in the slide out, she doesn't do anything supernatural. Right? But by taking us to that supernatural realm, I thought was was a weird derivation from what they'd been doing but it's worth it to get that slide that slide is just yeah it's unfucking believably powerful filmmaking well and then you get to that i mean the thing that i mean i think the thing that really fucking scared the shit out of me and the part that i was just totally like my mouth was open like a gape was when they're i think in the basement or is it still like they're when they're in the basement and she's like tied up yeah, well, they keep running around, yeah. right? Because the old lady knocks on the door. She's already strangled the dog, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. And not just a strangle, like a full-on neck snap, yeah. right? Like like this horrific effect. So Samuel's able to get back. And this, oh, my God, when she comes to him, it's just, you know, like, 
I'm sorry, Sam. I'm not well. Oh, my God. I need help. You see her bearing it. Like, she's really struggling with this. This is kind of the, she's back to her, you know, non-possessed self. She's trying to ask for help. And Sam fucking, oh, my God, I forgot the line, right? Because she seems like a good mom. And she's like, she's seen her husband in the basement. He's like, we can be happy. Just bring me the boy. Yeah, yeah. Right? And he's saying, bring me the boy in the Babadook voice. And when she goes, she repels it, right? She runs repulsed by this. Right. But in that moment, she's like, Sam, uh, I want to take you down there. Uh, you'll be with your father. You'll love it there. It's beautiful. Right. And she starts to reach up for his neck, and he fucking stabs her in the leg. Yeah. And this was a serious laugh out loud moment for me, probably inappropriately. He stabs her in the leg, and as he's running to the basement door, he goes, sorry, mom. <laughs> I... <laughs> the scene though that like really got me was where like she's like trying to she's trying to choke him out down yeah. there and she comes down he cricket bats her and yeah. she's tied up now so he's tied up she starts like choking him and his response though is to like stroke her hair and stroke oh her my, face oh my god and dude. that i was her face when she's strangling him is so fucking twisted oh, it's up fucked up I, she had just done this evil like screaming into laughing thing that is always horrifying. Yeah. My fucking heart was in my like throat. I'm, I was just like, Oh my God, what the fuck? Oh, well you for, you forgot the lead up. See, I love quoting the great lines where he just goes, I know you never love me, mom. Oh, the yeah. Babadook wouldn't let you, which again plays to the, the Babadook being this trauma and it's represented as the father. So that's right, not right. really hidden. But the fact that Sam has the wherewithal to say the Babadook never let his mom really love him. Yeah. And then he goes, just so resigned, he just says, but I love you, Mom, and I always will. And then as she's trying to fucking murder him, the feeling, I mean, just as an audience member, put yourself in those tiny shoes, right? And just imagining what it must be like at the age of seven to feel your mother using all of the power of her hands to try to fucking crush your neck. I mean, that that's an insane fucking thought that probably most of us watching it, you'll just gloss over. Right. But if you actually think about that into the fucking gentle face touch, I mean, that's, man, that's madness. That's yeah. madness. And that one act of kindness is enough to bring her back. Yeah. And she turns over and, and spews out the Babadook, essentially. Right. This, yeah. this gnarly fucking black Iker looking stuff. Yeah. It's, it's just an amazing But that's scene. not it. That's it's not. This is that's the, the best part, part man. I yes. loved that. Oh my god! Because that feels like the oh we've defeated it, right? But as they get upstairs, Sam uh, reminds us. The book tells us you cannot get rid of the Babadook. He's dragged upstairs and ragdolled around this room horrifically, <laughs> like pretty badly too. Yeah, the mom runs upstairs and and you know the fucking guy, the Babadook's coming out. His arms are coming out from the shadows. Yep. And she's saying, "This is something I wanted to well, ask you." She's well, she's saying, it's, Yo, it starts nothing. as it starts as you're the husband. nothing, right? That's, yeah, and then she's like, "If you touch my kid again, I'll fucking kill yeah, you." Yeah, loved. And that. she hugs him and just fucking has this barbaric yelp, right, from Dead Poet Society, screaming into the void. Yeah. Now you said you thought this was the first moment of of true motherly affection. Yeah. To me, it kind of played like her trying to convince herself. That I, those things were true. I mean, 
do those two things have to be mutually exclusive? Especially in this kind no, of No, no, actually they don't. That that might be the best take on it, right? I mean, that's the no, thing. No, they, they don't have to be. That's like kind of where I'd go with she's it. She's embracing the role. Yes. But also it's still new, so she's overcompensating. Yeah, right. no, that's a, that's a great take. I like that. I think that that's kind of where I go with that is that she's, it's not even an overcompensation. It's like she's finally embracing this part of her that for six years she was like, I can't handle this. Like I can't, like I can't imagine. I the the grief just must be insane. Like I mean, having to handle that plus a birth, uh, like a birthday and a funeral at the same time is just terrifying. So like, yeah. that's I think is the, the that's why I think there's something so affectionate about her just screaming, "Get out of my fucking house!" Like as like, and I love the camera work too. Like this fucking bright light f- shining towards, like blasting into her face. Oh no, no, no! That's after though. Well, that's well, that's later this on. This is but- what happens. She she essentially defeats the Babadook. Right. You think, and the hat and everything collapses. Right. right, the air is let out of the suit. Yeah, she approaches, and Sam saying, "Don't, don't, don't." And again, this was a bit of a head scratcher for me because I'm like, "What is her game?" She touches it, and then yeah, it's like the fucking poltergeist. Duh! The yeah. light and a leaf blower in her face. Yeah, yeah. And then it zips down to the basement. Yeah. It's a and great... And I love, is, I, that's a, okay. one of my favorite POV shots, too. What do you make of defeating the Babadook, touching the hat, and then re-releasing that energy? I mean, it's... it's, con- it's, con- it's, con- it's Why touch the hat? It's confrontation. It's, it's... What it is is when it comes to trauma and grief and anything that really can like hold a dark cloud over your head. What it is, is touching the hat to me symbolizes um, our ability to finally approach our trauma as a, as an actual thing that happened, like to put a face to a name, so to speak. So you do that. And as soon as you do that, you take, you almost take away its power, which is weird. Like it's almost the reverse of what we normally know about how people approach trauma. But like, Essentially, you take away its power by giving it a physical manifestation. And then by sending it back into the basement, she's essentially saying, I, I'm not doing this today. Like, I now, yeah. have, I now have the ability to be the mother I want to be, the person that I want to be. So you will go into the basement. Yeah, it struck me almost. It played a little weird for me where I was like, it felt a little bit like she was sad. Yeah. That it had died and the touching it is this she's not willing to all the way let it go and may, maybe she never can oh no you know what I, I mean like losing i think and, and the ending gets to this even more right so yeah. we go from there to this kind of like oh here's the ideal best version of this life that's yeah, like a david lynch movie it's weird and then there's an extra scene that's even stranger than everything we've just witnessed <laughs> yeah where the camera is coming up through the dirt subterranean into her gardening yeah they're collecting a bowl of worms that they take Back down to the basement. But she says, and this is this part that I've always get hung up on, which is the kid's like, can I see it someday? And she says, when you're older, now get out of the house and do not come back in until I tell you. She goes to the basement and the Babadook bends her back again, but she holds her ground and comes back. It's okay. Right. It's okay. And it slithers into the shadows and sucks its fucking bowl of worms into the dark. Right. And that is, it's baffling to me. Really? But in a way, right? Because what I'm imagining this, that I'm supposed to take from this, but I don't fully get the worms, right? Am I like, 
Am I to imagine that the worms have experienced a lot of personal trauma that the Babadook can exploit for weakness? Like, why, why is he eating worms? All right, throw that out. Right. What I'm imagining this is is that for them to have this health, healthy version of their lives, she has to tend to that trauma, yes. right? Instead of locking it away to where it becomes an explosively dangerous, um, you know, time bomb in the basement, she has to every day garden uh this trauma well, i wouldn't even say it's every day like it seems to me like this is a bull sure sure this is a bull Maybe that's not. been this is a bull that's but, been growing over time like she's like oh you have so many now right but you know she has to put in the work of you know gardening and weeding and all the the kind of symbolisms with that like she has to a lot time to disappear from him and manage the Babadook right. is what I think I'm supposed to take from it. Sure. The, the the worms and Samuel saying, can I see it someday, are the part that are a little off to me. Okay. Because it feels like her and Samuel would have to talk about it to move into this healthy version. Sure. Of I mean, maybe not even for Samuel. Maybe the whole movie he was playing um, more somber in his own life because – he thought that's what would get him closer to his mom. Maybe he wants to all the way let go of that thing that was never really trauma for him, period. Interesting. I mean, to me, actually, the thing that I found most confusing and most interesting. Actually, no. I know now, what you're going to say. Now that I think about it, actually, <laughs> it's not. Because to me, again, like this goes back to like what I mean, it's a very obvious metaphor. But uh Again, like this goes back to everything I think the what the Babadook is supposed to represent and everything that the movie's trying to say about our uh shared trauma and shared grief. Because the reason I think she sends him out of the house and says, like when he says, like, can I see it someday, what he's at what he's asking and what that really is is like like I, I can tell you right now, like I can count on the I can count the number of times on one hand I've seen like my father cry. So to me, what that is is that's a parent trying to be a it's a parent putting up a strong front. So like seeing it someday would be to me like, can I see you in a, in a moment of true weakness? Like, can I see you in a moment of true vulnerability? And that's her going, her going into the basement is her feeding this trauma. Like it's like when you and I have had, you know, we've had our bouts of depression and our bouts of our issues. We just say like, you know, it's just one of those things we go through it and when it's, and it's over. I think this is very similar to that. The idea of there is no escaping it, right? Yeah. The idea that, that of, feeling definitely is prevalent. Sometimes you just have to give into it and you let it happen, and you just say, "Okay, this is how you I have feel to right now." It. You weather the storm, yeah. and then you come out on the other side. I yeah. think that. I, I mean, I know you know what I'm going to say, which is like the part where she's like shushing like a baby, the Babadook. Is that yeah, what you're going to talk I'm, about? That's the part that I find very interesting. No, see, that's not. I mean, I guess to me it just it it feels unusual that after everything they just went through, you know, her and Sam fighting this thing off together, right? To then segregate him out from the healing process seems unusual to me. Well, I mean, that's I mean, which again that that could be maybe this gets back to my idea that kind of stuck in my craw is that maybe the the Babadook is a many faced demon right and oh, yeah. you know to each person he's his own kind of i think that uh thing so sam has his own little baba duck shrine somewhere that he has to you know maintain well i mean and the very well could be sh i mean that shared tr 
that shared trauma could be something that maybe, I mean, you know, I, I'm not a parent yet, but I can say that I would never want my child to hurt or feel pain. I would do all I could. I hear it all the time. And that's something that I know I believe is I would do all I could to prevent that for my child. But I also yeah. know that it's an eventuality. Everyone has to deal with some well, sort of pain. or some. You'll sort of also have the night where, oh, my God, my kid is so sick and they're feverish and it hurts and I can do nothing. Right. I, I think but that's be here. And that that's a big part of this movie. right? Yeah, it's, definitely. One of the lessons of sometimes your kid is just going to have really hard, painful, difficult things that you can't just parent away. Right. And a big part of what being a good parent is to me is that in those moments, you're like, kid, I know. I'll sit there and just rub your tummy and just take this fucking emotional beating. Right. Of you looking at me with those little one-year-old eyes saying, why aren't you fixing me? Right. I'll just take all that emotional beating if I can bring you like one ounce of, you know, comfort. Yeah. And I think that's and that, what it that's is. That's a lot of what this movie captures really well. Absolutely. But uh, I, there is actually one part. We forgot about the absolute strangest part. Where the fuck did Sam get the dove from that magic trick? <laughs> Are we to believe that he actually pulled off real magic? <laughs> uh, I don't have that suspicion. Because he goes in, he actually fucking pulls a real dove out of a plate and then burst into what seems like very satanic dancing. Maybe that's him. No, I'm just kidding. The dance move is very, you know, hey, he's a kid. Not all kids can fucking bust a move. But the dove, I was like, wait, is, is this telling me that the good part of their lives is a fucking lie and the Babadook totally defeated them? <laughs> I mean, I think that's a very... Uh... I think that maybe did he accomplish real magic? Yes. <laughs> I, I don't uh, know. Yes. I I think that uh, he actually went on to become the kid who faces Harold Potter in the Wizard Olympics. He went on to become uh, Voldemort. No, I I mean it's very possible that I don't know. Maybe there is some sort of strange Babadook magic with how he was able to do it. Maybe, maybe that's his, maybe that's the beginning of his Papa Duck is, oh God, like, you know, he does it for like a girl sometime, like magic is lame. And then he's like, oh great. There's my Papa Duck. Damn it. And that's how you get he's the like, sequel. Bubba bye, fool. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's a really, uh, the, the dub threw me off. Cause I was like, all right, I think I finally can wrap my head around almost everything. This movie wants me to glean. Or at least I'm having really good conversations with myself on a spiritual level about what I think it means. Yeah, the dove. And then when that kid pulls that fucking dove out, I was like, now I feel like that's just a big middle finger to me. <laughs> like, you'll never understand. Yeah, I'd say the dove's a real outlier. We're going to have to investigate this more, I think. The dove. Yeah, I need Jennifer Kent to answer for the dove and the uh, super-powered karate kicks on the door. Oh, very much so, because we're not experienced. Je Jennifer, enough. fill these last two puzzle pieces in for me, please. Jennifer, DM us. We really need to know. Please. Did Jennifer, Jennifer, come on now. Did he actually do magic? <laughs> do you actually expect me to believe that that VHS creep taught him magic? Come on now. Jennifer. 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 <laughs> no, uh, let's wrap this up, man. I... I think this movie, and again, I know not everyone gets in for the, oh, this is a very personal inner struggle movie 
um, where the monster is maybe not even real. This is kind of a psychosis thing. Um, that's all right, man. If you don't watch this movie and think it's scary, that that's your opinion. Uh, but I find this movie dives into the truly deepest, most horrific parts of the mind and psyche. Yeah. Um, and the visual storytelling and the sound design, uh, the editing of this film. I mean, this is a master class in how to use technique to cover up budgetary shortcomings. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is so beautifully crafted yeah um across the spectrum i i was blown away this time uh just the tricks i noticed this time this is probably my fifth time seeing it uh just how many more times i was like really struck by you know some techniques they were employing and thirdly uh my god that performance yeah uh se davis's performance in this movie i like samuel as the creepy kid he gets a lot of run right he's got that good look but uh, I see Davis's character in this movie. I mean, there there are probably horror movie performances better, but I mean, she ranks in that top class, right? Like, if there's an A class of horror movie performance, I mean, this has to be it. The fucking range, the depth, the power, the fucking subtle humanity she pulls out of moments like the prescription pad, or yeah. you know, countless others. Uh, I mean, it is a fucking I, this movie, honestly, it just had me glued to my chair. I mean, I think it just... I, takes... I, I was astounded by how much better it was than I had even remembered giving it credit for. And the fact that it feels a little bit like it's been lost in the deluge of great horror movies coming out. Well, I think it just takes an incredible amount of respect, control, and understanding between a director and an actor. Uh to get the performance that they got out of her. And I think she's an amazing actress. Jennifer Kent's an amazing director. The kid's shocking. The kid's really good, too, and I absolutely despise child actors, but he annoyed the hell out of me, so I'm assuming that's a good thing because that's pretty normal. <laughs> he um, did his job. <laughs> yeah. I, ultimately, this movie is scary, and if you don't think it's scary, I think that's that's your business, but I think this movie is terrifying in the way that great movies are scary and that it makes you confront the inner darkness. And I think that's really kind of what we always are after with these kinds of movies, whether it's, I mean, you know, I, I'd look at movies that we watch, like the Howling's another great example, like other movies, a dark song, these kinds of things we've seen where we have to confront our inner darkness and our inner fears. Yeah. And those are the kinds of movies that I think are truly scary. Nothing with external foes. I think a lot of the time gets me mu quite as much as movies where I have to confront my own inner demons. Sure. Well, I mean, every audience member can say, oh, I don't go to camp, so I'm not worried about Jason Voorhees. Right. Oh, God, I live in Manhattan. Right, right. No. <laughs> all right. But, you know, I mean, you're like, all right, like right, I'll just never do the puzzle box if I find it. I'm cool. Yeah. But what I like about this movie is you're like, if I went to my bookshelf on the just right given day, that Baba book could be there. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Like, that. that is a cool universality of it, man. I... I Totally blown away, man. Mark Me Down is totally blown away by the Baba Duck. Guys, call I hope me you Baba this Hooked. Movie. What? Baba Hooked. I'm Baba Shook <laughs> by these puns. Okay. I'm going to finish this up so I can go Baba Gagoosh. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I just fucking. 
purely just a fucking KO punch to the fucking cinematic joy within me. Great start so to amazing. the month. Uh, guys, I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Share it with a friend and then share this show with them. This is the best way we can bring more alchemists into the fold, guys. If you have socials like we do because we're hip young millennials... We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can find us everywhere. Uh, we're really easy to get a hold to, and we're always excited to engage with you guys. Filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. If you have an idea for a movie you want us to cover, a double feature, a guest, a theme for a hit month. Hit us up. You hit us up, man, and we will do our best to get those movies on the show for you. Also, if you find this show on a directory where you can leave a rating and review, please do that for us. Please follow the socials. Please retweet and share and all that kind of stuff. We hate asking, but it really does make a big difference, man. and helps us grow the community. Also, if you like hearing us talk movies, you should follow our other podcast, The Long Box Sessions. Yep. Because we are officially at comic book movie slash pop culture movie season. Oh, my God. So we're going to be covering those movies every week as they come out in theaters and doing a weekly recap of the finale of Game of Thrones. So much exciting stuff coming up on that side. We just got uh, done so yeah, doing guys, book club. It's very, It was fun. Yeah, we do comic book club. I mean, if you guys like us enough and you need a little bit more of us in your day, that's an easy way to do it. Uh, we, as always, appreciate you guys helping us grow these shows out. Um, and more than all, man, just thanks for watching movies with us. We fucking adore doing this, and we love doing it most of all with you guys. Yes. Now, go take care of your kids, kiss them goodnight, and make sure that the Babadook don't touch them. <laughs> I mean, that's sage advice. You're already a great parent. <laughs> From the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. Peace. Peace.